first reading is from the Old Testament, Psalm 8. And if you'd like to follow it along, it's on page 386 in your church Bibles. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands and put everything under his feet. All the flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and all that swim in the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. second reading is from Hebrews, it's on page 846, chapter 2, verses 5 through to 18. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels, you crowned him with glory and honour and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honour before he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. It's great reading that Hebrews one, isn't it? An encouragement for those of us who have trouble remembering scripture. It's uh, somewhere it's written and, you know, as he quotes, Psalm 8. If you could turn back to Psalm 8, it would be a great help. Uh, Here at the start of the year in January, we're looking at a few Psalms. Uh, an opportunity again to, I suppose, uh, get our year in order to recalibrate our lives in light of God, who he is, and his great plans and purposes. 
Uh, and so we pick up another psalm, Psalm 8, a psalm to set our lives by and be encouraged by. How about a pray that the Lord might speak to each one of us this day. Our Lord and Father, we uh, thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, you haven't remained uh, unknown to us, but you have revealed your name and your person, your character to us. We thank you that uh, in your word there is life. Uh, and we pray that we might know it today. We ask that uh, as your living and active word exposes our hearts and minds and our attitudes, uh, that we'd be reshaped to become more and more like Jesus. We pray that your spirit would be at work and by your word comforting us who need comfort this day. Uh, Father, uh, speak to us, we pray. Amen. Uh, thankfully, our, our psalm's big theme is not particularly hard to spot. Uh, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Uh, and in case you missed it, right at the end, verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, the thrust of Psalm 8 is God's majestic name. He's made it easy for us to get. And we need a reminder like that, don't we? Because the sad reality is that his name doesn't always seem majestic. As I was at the pool earlier this week, on uh, better conditions than today, uh, and uh, you know, some ten-year-olds nearby in the recreation were kind of blaspheming freely, uh, and you know, it's small and it's trivial compared to the, the constant background noise of mocking tones in our culture that that makes a book like uh, Christopher Hitchens' God is Not Great into bestsellers. You know, we we're in a culture that doesn't see God's name as majestic, and it just drips and drips and drips away, even on those of us who love God. I came across uh, a fairly incisive quote. I don't know God half as well as I should like to. And I love him less than half as well as he deserves. And that might resonate, you know, that the majesty of God's name, really I just don't give him the love he deserves, the honour he deserves. You know, that the heart of this psalm is about the majestic name of God. Uh, and thankfully for those of us who, who struggle to keep holding on to that truth, who struggle to, to live by that kind of truth, it's more than a sweeping statement. Uh, he gives the justification, he explains why. Uh, one point I hope we can remember from this psalm, that God is majestic because he esteems our weakness. He is majestic because he esteems our weakness. Now, his majesty is, is not what we expect. Uh, so there's a poetic style that alerts us to that, first of all. Um, psalm 8 beautifully kind of runs opposites against one another. Uh, and draws them in to make a beautiful point. So verse 1, it's our Lord, it's personal, it's exclusive, but his name is in all the earth, is everywhere. Uh, the, and the earth in verse 1 is set against the heavens, and, and in verse 2, the infants are placed against avengers. And in verse 5, the man is low and yet he's crowned with glory. In verse 6, you've got God's hand set against human feet, just running through it. That we, we, Psalms are not just meant to be read, uh, but felt. Yeah, and as we, as we read it, we, we feel the reassuring symmetry of, of opposites coming together, of unexpected things coming to form a beautiful combination, something greater. And it's more than style, it's, it's the substance of what the psalmist writes. Yeah, the psalmist draws together two very unlikely ideas and brings them to a greater whole. Majesty is set against weakness. Yeah, God is clearly majestic. Uh, his name, uh, that is his, his self-revelation, what he's told us about himself, it is known everywhere in verse 1, in all of the earth. Uh, 
even in the, the, the wonders of uh, Facebook and Twitter, and you know, I use this illustration as someone who hasn't sampled either, but uh, from what I understand, even Facebook and Twitter means that you know, still no one can claim that they are known worldwide. There are limits even to that kind of social media. But God's majesty, it's seen everywhere in all the earth. You know, it's seen in the works of his creation, his hands in verse 3. Now, just this week, uh, scientists uh, using information from the Kepler Space Observatory have suggested there may be more planets than stars in the universe. And with every discovery, uh, the great majesty of God is increased. Now, we are discovering what his creative hand has done long ago. And what the psalmist wants us to hear, though, is not just that God is majestic because he makes great stuff, he is majestic because with all that glory, he esteems our weakness. So in verse 2, he chooses to act through the weak and puny. That is, he ordains praise in this image through infants. Uh, another translation puts it helpfully, he establishes strength through them. It's not what we expect. Now God doesn't show how great and strong and powerful he is by hanging around and keeping company with other strong, powerful, mighty fo- people. You know, the, the, the foes are there, those who are busy making names for themselves at the expense of God's reputation. No, no, God is praised and his name is upheld by, you know, the, the goos and gars of babies. It's, it's this pattern that we see picked up again in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 1, where, where God uses the weak to shame the strong. You know, he chooses those that aren't to frustrate and silence those who are. You know, he says to those foes and avengers, those mighty ones, he silences them by saying, I don't need you, I can just take these weak infants. I'll, I'll, I'm happy with them. You know, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, that he is majestic enough that he can take the weakness of humanity into the heart of his purposes and not get undone. He expands the idea in verses 3 and following. Um, the Psalms looks at the vast expanse of creation. He you know, looks at the moon, looks at the stars, and in verse 4 asks the obvious question, you know, what, what's man that you're mindful of him? In light of all the vastness of creation, uh, you know, there might be 7 billion or so people uh, currently on earth. But in the scheme of the universe, we're still tiny. You know, our planet is, I understand, 12,700 kilometres in diameter. But we are part of a solar system that is four light years wide. Now, in, in all that, in the, in the vast expanse, what is, what is man? Um, he, he's speaking generally about humanity, but the, the point is made uh, more powerfully by the fact that he speaks of an individual. Just what is one man? What is, what is one person in the vastness of all creation? And the answer you expect is, well, not much really. Nothing. You expect we're just a fleeting breath. Our lives go very quickly, like the, the dew disappears in the morning. But, but that's not the answer he gives. Verse 5. You have made him a little lower than heavenly beings. You have crowned him with glory and honour. Yet we are nothing, but God has esteemed us in our weakness. He has honoured us in our weakness. He has placed you and me just a smidge beneath his heavenly status. Now, he has given us a, a godlike role in his creation. Now, he's handed over the responsibility of all his handiwork in verse 6. You know, the animals, the birds, the fish, you know, put under our feet, under our authority. 
Not, not because there's something you know, intrinsically really super and talented about us, but it's just the majesty of God. You know, he esteems weakness. He is great and majestic in ways we don't expect. You know, that he can incorporate our weakness into his purposes and not be undone. And so that opening line in verse 1 of declaring the majesty of the Lord's name is not just a repetition in verse 9. He, he wants to take us on this journey that we might feel and know just how great God is, how, how what a mighty and majestic God he is because he can honour you in your frailty. Now this is counterintuitive. You know, we, we use majesty, we use power, uh, we display it by getting rid of weakness, overcoming it. There was a great uh, documentary in the, the past few weeks. I managed to catch it on ABC called Slumming It. Uh, a British urban developer and TV presenter, a guy called Kevin McLeod, who I'd not heard of, but apparently he, he has a whole show of his own. Uh, he spent a fortnight in, in, uh, in Darravi. Uh, Darravi uh, is a slum of about a million people on the edge of Mumbai. Uh, it was made famous in the, in the movie Slumdog Millionaire. So a million people are living there in this basically shanty town uh, on top of a, a rubbish tip. And he did. He found um, really good things about it. He found a flourishing community there. He found you know, industrious people who were, um, had you know, helpful but illegal businesses going. Uh, he, he found extended families that were growing and living together um, and communities, a real sense of community spirit and care for each other there. He found even joy. You know, all these women wearing these spectacular bright-coloured saris and you know, there's something joyous. But it was on top of open sewers. You know, it was on top of waterways poisoned by industry. Uh, it was you know, built out of a, a still-functioning garbage tip. The, the trucks still kept coming there day after day. Now, and what are the people of Darravi to the Indian government that they would think of? Well, understandably, there are plans to knock it down. Because you, know, you look on from the outside, you know, uh, for, you know, for the people of Mumbai who are there and look down at this, it's an eyesore. Yeah, and as Indian society rolls on to greatness, Darabhi's faults are just an embarrassment. Yeah, and greatness in our world means destroying, not incorporating weakness. Yeah, and I'm not saying this is just as a, a kind of criticism of India or, or culture over there or the people. Yeah, yeah, it's been pointed out that the best test of a civilised society is the way it treats its weakest members. Yeah, the test of our culture is in the, the care of the elderly in nursing homes. You know, it's in the support of full-time carers. Uh, it's in the screening tests for Down syndrome babies in utero. You know, a family who used to be part of um, our church, this congregation, had been in Australia for a decade, but they were required to go back to the UK because their Down syndrome daughter uh, meant they would never get citizenship here. You know, we don't deal with weakness well. You know, the majesty of our society is built by, by sidelining for those who don't contribute. And when you realise that, you start to see just how remarkable God's majesty is that he honours and incorporates the, the lowly. You know, Jesus spoke about his kingdom. He spoke about the kingdom of heaven uh, and he spoke about the ex exclusive entry to his kingdom. Uh, and the exclusive grounds are that you have to be like one of those infants in Psalm 8-2. You have to be entirely dependent and offer absolutely nothing because God is great enough to give honour and incorporate them into his purposes. You know, he esteems the lowly and weak. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is 
your name in all the earth. Now, once you've got to grips with just how majestic he is in that way, uh, this psalm does change us. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we live. Uh, Let me highlight five ways. Uh, First, humility becomes majestic. Humility is simply lowering yourself. Um, Humiliation is when people do it for you. (laughs) They lower you. Uh, Humility is that choice you make. I will lower myself for someone else's good. It's power in service of others. And Psalm 8 shows that's God's majesty. His name is glorious in all the earth, but he uses that power for the benefit of us. He invites us to something greater than we should be. Now, of course, humility is not natural. Uh, uh, General uh, McChrystal, Stanley McChrystal, uh, former head of US forces in Afghanistan until he said a few things about Barack Obama. Uh, he was asked about, when he was in control, um, asked about how they might do with insurgents in Afghanistan. He said, the best approaches are counterintuitive. The opposite of what seems you ought to do is often what ought to be done. What approach should we take in Afghanistan? I say humility. Yeah, we, we, with all the power at his disposal, in some sense he saw there was a majestic aspect of doing what is not natural and using power to serve you know god's praise here in psalm 8 is just his pattern you know in philippians 2 we we read of jesus with all the the power of heaven doesn't grasp onto it but he humbles himself to become one of us and to go to the cross for all our good humility is not natural but it's majestic it it makes the great greater and so christ was raised up glorious his throne in Philippians 2 that every tongue might confess him Lord not just as maker but as saviour Psalm 8 is about about God humbly inviting us into his purposes Uh, and part of that is we share his attitude you know in Philippians 2 uh, we're encouraged each of you should not look to your own interests but to the interests of others your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ see if you've gotten the heart of psalm 8 you'll realize lowering yourselves for for others good is how you live a majestic and glorious life now c.s lewis uh, remarked about the humble person he said he won't be thinking about humility he won't be thinking about himself at all now that's the majesty of god we're to copy secondly if you grasp this psalm you're not as important as you think Lewis said the first step to humility is realising actually you're not and you're proud. Uh, Psalm 8 beautifully pricks our pomposity. You know, it calls us to look at ourselves in proportion to the whole of God's creation in verse 3. Um, if you know the, the comedy group Monty Python, they had a song, the Galaxy song. I'm not going to attempt to uh, sing or recount it. Uh, it actually picks up Psalm 8. I don't think they meant it. Um, I'm, I'm not persuaded they went here and read Psalm 8 and derived the song. But, you know, they talk about how you know, we stand on a planet revolving 19 miles a second uh, around our sun, that along with all that we can see of the galaxy is moving a million da- miles a day, uh, that we're 30,000 miles from the galactic centre point and our galaxy is just one of millions and billions in the universe. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I get the point of the song. Uh, at the end of the song, in their sketch, uh, it finishes with someone saying, it kind of makes you feel all insignificant. They've got the point of Psalm 8. You know, I'm not as important as I think. You know, Psalm, helps, uh, Psalm 8 helps us understand what is an essential fact. Uh, and until we really get that, we'll never be part of God's kingdom. Because you know, God's not assembling an all-star team. He, he chooses the weak to shame the strong. He doesn't call you because he's impressed by your credentials or your potential. 
Uh, and if you think he is, and you're relying on that as your entry point with him, then you'll have no part in his kingdom because it's all about his love and nothing about your merit. Yeah, until you get just how small and unimportant you are in the scheme of creation, you'll never give God the thanks he deserves. And you'll struggle to love other people uh, as deeply because you keep thinking you matter too much. You're not as important as you think. But thirdly, you are more important than you realise. You are more important than you realise. Psalm 8, verse 5, God crowned each person with glory and honour. Every person matters. Not because of what they do, but because of something God bestows on them. He crowns them with that glory and honour. Now, one of my grandmothers is suffering from Alzheimer's. Uh, you know, she forgets that her children visited her moments after um, uh, and a visitor the other day with our children. She can't remember any of their names even seconds after she's told them. She still matters. You know, we Christians have strong convictions on, uh, on abortion, on the care of the disabled, on euthanasia, on refugees, on care of the, the poor and the marginalised because every person matters to God. Now, because God honours and bestows honour on the weak, um, our church honours them too. So, you know, we have Crash and Kids Church running at the at the moment, um, and it's staffed by really lovely, godly people from other congregations. and And it's not to make it easier for us who are sitting in here in the building now. It's because even infants matter. They are crowned with glory. They are important. You, know, you are more important than you realise. And, and because of what what every person does matters too. Uh, so 8 verse 6 is clear. We've, we've been given a mandate by God. We're, we're to rule his handiwork. It's right to rule over his world and use what he's given to build society. Uh, it is right to mine. It's just not right to exploit. Now God has placed creation under our feet, but we're still at his. Uh, for when God rules, humanity flourishes. And when we do things his way, we actually flourish. Um, what, what each of us does to, to rule and care for this world, his way matters. You know, whether it's working at home, uh, making meals for your neighbour, you know, clearing you know, public spaces from waste, whether it's running a company, you know, what we do under him to care for this world matters. Uh, our Archbishop Peter Jensen recently commented, uh, secular ideology is an attack on humanity and our flourishing. That is, to take God out of the picture of how we think about this world actually is damaging us as humans. It stops us flourishing. And so he encourages us, we must outthink, outlove, outlive our secular contemporaries. What you do matters. Because in God's kindness, you are more important than you realise. Fourth, look to Jesus to fully see the majesty of God. So the, the thrust of the psalm is God's majesty. Uh, but that quote I said at the start, I don't know God half as well as I should like to and I love him half as well as he deserves. And the psalm's solution to that is look beyond these nine verses. Look to Jesus. So in, in Matthew 21, Jesus comes and he rides in like a king into Jerusalem to the praise of crowds. Yeah, and, he, and he kicks out the, the corrupt leadership from the temple, his foes, and he heals the blind and the lame, the weak. And it's the majesty of Psalm 8 being played out and in case that wasn't clear enough, he goes further. The, the religious leaders were indignant that he would accept the praise of children and so he quotes Psalm 8 verse 2 at them. You know, Jesus is clear. He is the majestic God whose name is over all the earth. And if you want to see the full majesty of God, look to Jesus. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, Jesus said, No one knows the Father except the Son 
and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You know, if you are like me and you keep struggling to know the majesty of God as well as you should, and you struggle to love him, you know, even half as much as he deserves, keep going back to the revelation of him in Jesus Christ. Uh, Someone told me their goal for this year, like every year, is to read a gospel. Can't fault that. Good tactic. And finally, look to Jesus to see the full esteem of humanity, the full value of us. Uh, so in God's majesty, he, he honours us enough to place the world under our feet. Uh, and of course, we know it doesn't always feel that way, does it? You know, it doesn't feel like creation's going the way we want. And our reading from Hebrews acknowledged that. Hebrews 2, at present we don't see everything subject to him. But, but we see Jesus. He was made a little lower than the angels. He, he is doing what humanity always should. If you need encouragement to see how honoured by God we are, you look to Jesus. If you, need, if you need a model for living out the responsibilities that he has given to us, look to Jesus. Now, Jesus is everything humanity could and should be. And even better, he is everything we one day will be. So 1 Corinthians 15 quotes this psalm again, how Jesus put the enemy death under his feet. In that victory, he gives humanity the ultimate honour. We will be like him. C.S. Lewis nails it again. He speaks about what it is to be a human. He said, The dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you'd be strongly tempted to worship. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, they are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub and exploit. See, when we look to Christ, you see just how majestic he has made us. That we aren't just human here, we're human into eternity. If you want to live properly human and not waste your immortality, look to Christ. Our Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Yeah, yeah, that that can be hard to hold on to at points, but but the Lord is worthy of praise in everywhere, in every aspect of your life, because of his esteem for us in our weakness. Let's give him the praise now. Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, we thank you and praise you that you are majestic, that everywhere in this earth and all around the universe you are majestic, and you are majestic not just for your great works, but for your great grace and kindness. Thanks that you give us a crown and esteem we don't deserve and thanks that in Christ we might share that crown and rule forever. Father, may we realise just how small we are and yet how great you make us. And may that lead us to greater praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.